You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hello. Hey. Hola. Hola, senor. What, uh, what, what do we got going? We, do we have a missing link here somewhere? Yeah, he's on his way. He's on his way? Yeah. You know, he, he, likes to, he likes to live life on the edge. He's busy. Busy, busy. So what, uh, what's new? Just what's hot. Very, very hot here. And uh, obviously in Europe, there's not much, many places that have air conditioning. Plus, with the Russia problem, uh, the gas and all that uh, prices have skyrocketed. So, trying to find some coolness, trying to get to some lakes. But other than that, life is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I wonder that. How, so, the gas prices have hit pretty hard there, right? Oh yeah, Probably inflation. Well, you remember when you filled up tank here? It was, it was a lot. Yeah, they, they trick you. You never. It's like going to Vegas. That's what I think it is. It's like you don't, you just lose track of money when you're on. Uh, oh, there, there he is. He's speaking a piece. What up? <laughs> we're, t we're talking about spending money on gas when you're on a vacation, Andrew. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That, uh, that is something you have to be aware of. I said it's kind of like in Vegas when you, you don't just want to get a slice of pizza and it's 15 bucks and you're like, oh, that's fine. I mean, that's normal. So. Yeah, but you don't want to pay that at home. No. You know, I was on the internet this uh, week, Andy, and uh, checking some things out. Yep, I did. And I thought of you because I was thinking, you know, with the gas shortages and everything and what's happening and how you're going to start showing up. And houses. Andy has a lot of gas or what? Well, this is what reminded me. It, this reminds me of what I think you would probably do to solve the problem. Ready, Andy? Hakuna Matata, free as a bird, baby. On a, on a scooter. You bring your clients okay. on a scooter. Have you done I, that? Uh, I've been, funny, funny story. I've been trying to get my daughter, Hannah, um, or Connor, to buy a scooter for years. Because I've always – remember when we were younger, they used to have those yeah. Honda, like, sprees, the, yeah. the 50s? Yeah. You remember, remember on the radio when um, – Oh my God, Pfeiffer! What was he riding around the city? Was that wasn't it a scooter where he's flying skateboard. in and out? It was a skateboard. It was something, but it was something mechanical because he was flying through there. But yeah. <clears throat> I always thought, think of you when I see stuff like that. Like Andy would totally do that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Andy's fifty now, so he's a little more cautious as to what he breaks. Yeah, that's true. All right, what do you think, market-wise, Andrew? Well, uh, you know, I, I do think we're, we're definitely feeling the effects of the um, inflationary factors that are hitting us. And I think we're feeling the, the, uh, the interest rates um, are hitting a lot of people. And, but on the other hand, you know, I, I had uh, three houses go up for sale this week. Um, two of them sold, one of them still for sale. And it's still a beautiful house priced, right? So, you know, I, 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 would, I would say this, as you enter this new market, um, exhibiting a little more patience, um, as a seller and as a buyer, it what a fun time. You finally have that inventory you've been looking for for the last years finally coming around. Um, it, it, on paper, it's not. But I think that there's what happened was there was a lot of people crowded in one room and half the people left the room. So now there's kind of enough to share with everybody that's there. So the buyers that are entering the market that aren't afraid of a, a five and a half, six percent you know, interest rate are, are finding uh, beautiful homes for sale. And are getting the deals done. And then the the big um, uh, holdout that I'm seeing for a lot of buyers is that they're financing now on arms and then they're um, planning on a refi. So if they keep projecting this, uh, which everybody says inevitably is coming as a, uh, a recession after the big biggest money print of the country, uh, history of the country, that they're going to, it's coming no matter what we want to do about it. And as soon as the recession hits, general generally not always but generally they'll soften rates back down and then you can refinance so i think a lot of people are thinking hey 
I want to scoop the property up. You know, now that there's less competition and there, you know what, God bless them. There's, there's deals out there too, where people are getting what I consider to be a value and the, and they don't feel like they're giving up their firstborn to get the deals. They're, they're just being fair and the deals are getting done. So I think what's been interesting for me to see is that there is some people like super scared and just want to get yeah. rid of it. And, you know, I better get rid of it before it all to completely goes away. And I just right. don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, we've talked about that on here before. It's not, it's a, this recession was not based on housing. I mean, obviously prices and stuff were going up. I mean, inventory was low, right. rates were great. Um, people were paying more uh, for houses, but yeah. even though, like you said, three houses listed, two sold and one still on, I mean, it's still a, only a week, <laughs> you know? I mean, so it's I not, it's not a, it, it's not a horrible thing. And the other thing I think that's kind of cool is what we haven't had for a while is we were able to show uh, in one at one time, like five different houses to a beginning buyer. And that was kind of interesting, you know, because we don't usually get right. that. Usually get, oh, we had five set up, but three of them sold. Two of them both have offers on them. And so you have to go, go, go. Well, this was kind of a, hey, I get to make a kind of a wise decision. I do it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a newer listing. We want to be able to, to get it. It's a nice one. And so you just got to have your house ready. You know, where so many people before were just listing it to kind of just list it. We've got one coming up in um, Apple Valley. And we probably could have gone. We 100% could have gone to the market two months ago yep. and uh, and put it out there. But, you know, we're putting about uh, $12,000 into this one to be able to make sure we're right for this market and be able mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, get our price and, or actually we're going to, we're going to get more, but we went the other route rather than just kind of playing off this feeding frenzy. Well, you know, I can tell you this. I think that the, um, the, the sellers are like, well, we want to get it. We want to get our houses sold before the market turns. Well, mm -hmm. too bad you missed it. it, it the, the market has turned. Um, and, and the sad thing about that is, is that, um, you know, I shouldn't say the sad thing, but let's say your house was at 400 and people were writing it for 440 or 430, right? A year ago, they're just not writing it for 430. They're writing it at 400. And cause that's, what's really worth. And I think that's the honesty of the market. People are like, Oh, the market's going down. No, it just lost. It's, it's like trajectory of, of shooting straight up. I mean, there were some stupid offers being made because people were fatigued. They were in a position of where they did not want to compete. Um, and so they would just go way over. They wanted to get a place and move in. Now that the crazy part is a lot of those buyers are still here and still in the marketplace. They're just, they're just seeing more inventory. So they don't feel the pressure to have to put the offers way up high. So some of these sellers are acting like, you know, Oh my God, the market's down 10% already. It's really not. It just wasn't 10% as high as it was because it had, I call it legs. All these offers had big legs on them that pushed the markets up. So in a neighborhood that sold three houses last year, one sold for 350, one sold for 375, one sold for 400, your house is not worth 425. You probably are worth about 385, 375. It's somewhere in the middle between all of them. And you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You just yeah. have to be, I don't know. Well, I know you know what I'm saying. I'm just the, the viewers. I'm just saying like, there's a law of averages here. And, and if you look at appreciation, you know, uh, some of the appreciation in the last year was explosive where it was just like the boom, 50,000 over cash. That That's not real. I mean, it was then, but now that's not what you're going to see now. Yeah, but that was the idea on that was is to be able to get get it. I wanted to have something right now. Yeah. And people weren't willing to wait, so they're willing to pay more in which to be able to get it. So yeah. um, well, I haven't seen prices. What, it's, 20, it's like 25% of the market is still cash. I don't know if you saw that stat. Um that, that's nationally. It's like it's a high, high number of the houses being sold are cash. So what does that tell you? That that tells you there's a lot of people out there still looking for investments. I think still trying to get out of the vulnerable markets where the the spaces where they've been and maybe are looking for something more tangible, like a house that you can actually go feel and touch. Can you remember any of the rap that you did? My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. I'd like to see you wiggle, wiggle. For sure. Make you want to dribble, dribble. You know. Is that us? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. He just sits over there and loves this thing. <laughs> yeah. But it is. Uh, he's going to have to stay over there another year. I think he would like that.
I know he would. That's I was trying to think of something smart, but it doesn't work. Yeah. No, you know, I think Chris, here's the thing though. Um, as a real estate professional, what questions are you asked every day? What am I? Why, why are yeah. things changing? Why is this this way? Why are we seeing this? Why do you only think it's worth that? I mean, we're always challenged. And if you don't educate yourself and spend the time to at least somewhat comprehend what's going on in the world, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to give global predictions. If you ever hear me talk, I always try to say, this is what I'm thinking, or this is what might happen. Because um, it's, it's nobody has a crystal ball, or I wouldn't be selling real estate, man. Yeah. And I think what's happened in this market, too, is that, I mean, with people that were selling, they were making more money. And then people that ha they had to go buy, they, they sold their place, they had to go buy, they had to pay more money. I mean, so that thing is, and maybe it's, hey, you're selling at this and uh, buy, buying at this. Yeah. Oh, where's my hands? Okay. And, but now what's happening is that you're selling at this and you're buying at this. And so everything's just kind of flattened out just a tad. And I think the biggest thing is, is the difference is now it's, it's an interest rate that you're getting at the new buy, you know, because you're leaving a low one, you're probably leaving, you know, 3% and you're going to a high one, which is over 6% right now. But there are a lot of financing options yeah. uh, that are being out there to fight this thing right now. So yeah, before we get into that, yep. So we're going to do the financing options to fight the rising rates. And it's going to be brought to you by Chris Rooney, home experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I found All right. I recommend everybody watching to call that guy. He's great. Oh, well, thank you. I like that. I uh, I think that people should know call me because there is some financial options that are happening out there. Did you see with... Uh, one of our local big builders, what they came out with, their new program. I did. Yeah, it's a it's a wicked one. Um, and it's directly fighting the interest rates. And so what they have is they have, obviously, there's this market slowed down a little. They've got a little inventory start on the way happening, you know, because what they're doing is just building, 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 get them out there. And so there's some specs left. So. A lot of these, I think it's till the end of September uh, on their spec homes throughout the Twin Cities that not only will you get like, I think a free lower level um, like rec room, but you're also gonna get a buy down, an interest rate buy down where you start at 2.99 for the first year, 3.99 for the second year, and then 4.99 for the term, which is the, the, the rest of the 30 years. And uh, I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing. Well, that 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 exactly is what stole some of the thunder from one of my listings. They uh, they said, well, hey, this is a newer house, but this new house down the street is $800 a month cheaper. And I said, yeah, but it's only for two years. It's a two-year buy-down. And then it goes to a regular rate. Plus, I can't imagine what you're paying more for the house to get that opportunity. And they go, yeah, but it's $800 a month or $800 less a month. Well, no. Why would we care? And I'm like, uh, how, you, but, you can't fight it. I mean- People that don't see the long play and they only see the short term, what do I have to do to move in today? That's okay. I mean, that's good for them. But I think a smart buyer would understand that and can see through some of those programs, but that's okay. Well, well, if you think that the interest rates are going to be coming down too, I mean, like, hey, I've got 2.99, then I got 3.99, 4.99 is still a percent better than anything that's out there right now, um, right. unless there's some bank stuff. But to me, I look at that and say, well, geez, I'm just going to bide my time for the next couple of years. And then in a worst case scenario, hey, I'm stuck at this. Yeah. Are you paying more for new construction? True. But again, it's new and you don't have problems. So well, I think it's just something yeah. we have to, it, it is what it is. And you have to deal with it. And uh, owners, existing homes need to know it. And, you know, and what happens is, and that's the cool thing about these markets. I've been through a lot of 32 years of doing this thing. And I've seen, I mean, the waves of all over the place. And 
the thing is, is that there's always things that come up. It's, it's, we get into this market, we understand it. We, we get stuck for a little bit and now we figure it out. Now, what do we have to do to be able to compete? And so now what's happening is banks are coming into play. They're offering, you know, uh, adjustable rate mortgages, which are, which are really not adjustable rate mortgages. All that means is that they fix it for a certain amount of time. And then after that, it can change. So I've got one that uh, someone just locked in on and it was, they got four and a half percent. This is a construction loan. So they got, they get interest only on that construction loan, but they tie it four and a half percent. They're already locking in their main interest rate on their other one. And once they're done with their construction loan, they start a 10 year arm. So it's fixed for 10 years. Um, at four and a half percent, they lock in right away. I mean, so those are there's some really interesting things that are out there. And the other thing that I'm seeing, Andy, is even on like my listings, everyone's flipping lenders. They're they're flipping because they're all looking and trying to find the best deal. Oh yeah. And then, so they price something. They're like, oh my god, we're going to switch over to this person. And, I mean, yeah. it even depend on a pre a new pre approval letter. Listen to this one here. We had one where they switched last week lenders to save a bunch of money on the interest rate and whatever else. And then we're all sitting at the closing table waiting to get our checks and they go, Oh, sorry, there's no checks. They did a, a basically a cash refi, whatever style loan. So there's a rescissionary period on this loan. So nobody's going to get paid till next Tuesday, three days. I'm like, well, then nobody moves in the house either. And they're like, well, we got to move in for the 4th of July. And, and I'm like, you picked the loan. No, thank you. You don't get the keys till you give us some money. And why? Why is that, Andy? Why? Why would you say that? Because they'll let off fireworks in the house. No, I don't know. I don't know. You, no, you got to be careful with occupancy and with, totally. with possession. And and possession's a funny thing. There's liability right there. There's everything. And, and until they pay, technically, all the things are signed. But until somebody pays and the money's transferred and the deed's considered complete, right, and recorded, all terms met. That means, you know, that we're still literally that contract's not finalized. So the original seller still owns that house. And, and at that point, too, what you got to do is you almost have to do a moving agreement. So if you're going to let them yeah. do it, you've got to turn it into a rental because all of a sudden that money doesn't show up on Tuesday. I mean, we got to. Yeah, gotta but you, you know, your seller, your seller gets so like in this situation, got so upset with them for doing it that they said, oh, you, you basically, you know, crap in your own bed and you get to sleep in it yeah but let's talk about maybe a, an instance that could happen there let's just say it's a yeah all right i mean we'll let you in there that loan that they did there's a rescission period and what that rescission period means is that that buyer could change their mind all of a sudden they move in that weekend and they say you know what the the washer dry, the washer doesn't work as quick as i wanted it to i have to do a a time and a half load in the laundry you know what i'm going to rescind this if you don't fix it and so it can be, it can oh, become yeah. a big problem. Now that usually doesn't happen, but it certainly can happen. And that's why you got a realtor to be able to protect you. Uh, well, and people get so mad at me all the time when I'm like, nope. And they and the other thing is like with the garage, oh, we just want to move a few things in the garage. And I'm like, listen, this is the whole motivation for everybody to get to close, perform as they're expected to. And when you don't perform, I'm not going to reward you and make your life easier. I actually want you to feel the pain of not closing because then you're motivated to get it closed. If you, if you're not, you know what I'm saying? It's like, people don't seem to understand that. Oh, he's being such a meanie. Well, that's okay. I'm being a meanie on behalf of my clients. So they get what they rightfully have coming to them, right? A clean deal, getting paid in full, not having liability that now they're assuming all this liability and the, the people are, Oh yeah, we have renters insurance. Do you show me, you know, and then you're a jerk for making them show renters so they can put stuff in a garage. So, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, Mr hard apple here, but you know that you have to protect your clients and you have to know what your rights are and you have to be within those rules. Otherwise you can get burned. And, and I tell you, that is the difference between a lot of times I think like the for sale by owner that says, Oh, it's my nephew or it's my whatever. And then they absolutely get taken advantage of or possession issues happen or, you know, who knows, you know, and, and it, it, there's all kinds of issues that happen with that, but it gets to a point of where, you know, just be smart, lay out the rules, follow the rules. Here, here's the other thing, though, that in a in a market that we were just in, probably going to be in, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't care what you do and what you say, you don't let me move in, I ain't gonna buy it. I'll go somewhere else and do it. And so now you're at a, 
now it's like, hey, we're, we're at a point here that it's going to be a problem. And the thing is, is that if we're at this problem right before we close, even if we close, it's going to be horrible. Now my sellers are in a horrible position because the buyer can come back to Adam for really anything. I mean, we've got one right now that's coming back at a, a seller of ours for the most silliest thing in the world. It's like, you, and, and the seller's like, well, they can't do that. And I said, no, they, can't. They, they can do anything they want. They, they can, whether or not they win is another story. But it's like that's that's the bad part. And so it's there's there's a there's a little shuffling your feet a little uh, that you have to kind of do to be able to make sure that everything's fine. But you can't just let people walk over you, you know. But no, you know, and, I, and I think that yeah. you know to make this kind of a little more clear, both of us, I know you and I both finesse this process as much as we possibly can, making sure everybody knows all the options, making sure that everybody feels like they've been treated fairly. And then when they choose to do the wrong thing is when we have to protect our clients. That's it. Yeah. And you, you hit it right on the nose. And I think that that's a super important thing is that there's really no, I mean, there's, there's the right answer, but sometimes we have to play in that gray area to be able to figure it out and do what's best for the client. I think Nick's ready to move on. He doesn't like our, that's why we paused Nick. Yeah. Pause. All right. Oh, okay. That, he's JP Morgan now, I guess. So I know JP Morgan laid off hundreds of employees uh, in their mortgage division as the rate spikes. That's not just uh, JP Morgan. That's lots of uh, mortgage companies that have done that. Um, yep. And I think that's learning from what happened before. And they're adjusting a heck of a lot quicker. And their, their workload has gone down significantly because all of those the refinance rates are gone. So they're just waiting for uh, the resale market and you don't need as many people right now if that's all you're doing. So, well, yeah, I mean the, the companies that were, you know, focusing the last probably year, two years on refis, th this is what's going to happen. I mean, they had an employee up to handle all the refis, which I always say is the easy business. And then, uh, and then the purchase business is where I always like right now, I don't know about you, but I, I reward my, um, my lenders that were with me the whole time that were giving my customers good service and purchase. Um, and then uh, I stick with it because stick with them because they're the ones that understand it. They, they didn't go for the quick money. They, they stayed in the trenches with us. And cause I mean, some lenders just disappeared, you know, MIA at two years. And then they, Oh, Hey, how you doing, Andy? I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee. And I'd say, you got to buy me a case of coffee. Now I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had uh, share some of that uh, dirty profit refi money that you got, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you. I've had three uh, three coffee talks, uh, or not? I haven't had the talks, but three coffee talk calls to meet up, and uh, I'm I mean, it depends what they have. I tell them to send me the stuff, and I mean, unfortunately, we have to kind of look at the stuff if it's. Uh, if it's new, but you're so right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you've been doing just refinances all this time and you haven't been really working with us realtors, it's a different game. It's a different game in which to play. Right. You don't understand what the market has done, what it is doing, what these buyers are going for from a from a purchase standpoint. And so it is, it's important. Yeah, to, but you know, Chris, the other thing that they do is just like anything else, they get bad habits. And so when you're refinancing and you're lowering somebody's house payment, no offense, you can kind of abuse the situation a little bit where you don't call them right back right away. Maybe you don't call them back over the weekend. You wait till Monday in purchase business. I call you Friday at six o'clock because my client's writing an offer on a property. I need that approval at 630. And, and so that's the difference. Like real estate agents that have lenders on their hip do it for a reason because those lenders are performing at a speed that keeps up with the purchase. And the purchase is a fast moving, time is of the essence kind of a situation where you can put your clients at a huge disadvantage by not having the approvals done. And then I, I tell you, I've seen some agents over the last couple of years that are fantastic, um, real, or, uh, the mortgage agents, where they're calling and saying, hey, um, I just wanted to let you know, I've gone through the entire file. I've proved everything. This buyer, it, deposits are good, income is good, and they're ready to go. If you have any other questions, give me a call. And so then I don't just have an approval letter I get to hear that trusted, you know, mortgage professional tell me, hey, these guys are solid. 
that makes me feel better presenting it to my sellers that, Hey, I talked to the lender. So anyway, that's just food for thought. That that's that a lot of people ask us though, Chris, why, why do you guys have preferred lender partners? It's because they're kick ass. That's why, you know, or they'll do what we need to do when you need it. That's why. Well, I think that's why it's important, you know, with the realtors on the other side. I mean, that's, that's where a lot of it happens. I mean, just in the scenarios that we were talking about before about moving in the garage, moving into the house, fireworks in the house, no washer and dryer working. You know, realtors realtors have to be able to consult with their clients and let them know what real life is. You know, a, a house that you bought and that's 30 years old is not like a brand new construction home. It's just not. And I mean, and, and it, if it was, you would have paid a lot more money for it. Yeah. So you have to kind of put that into perspective and let them know and that everything's not going to be perfect, you know, and, and a lot of people think that, oh, my gosh, this house has to be perfect because they think they overpaid for it. And I'm telling you, it's that's and I've been saying this the whole time. We're going to have problems with that. People are going to come back. They're going to start seeing, hey, there's another house in my neighborhood. I paid uh, 680 for it. And now they're listing at 650. And that washer dryer doesn't work. Oh, yeah, I'm coming after them. You know, they're going to try to get some of that money back. And I just think that uh, I've been saying that for a long time. That's going to be a problem. I, uh, for whatever it's worth, I really like your sign over your shoulder there. It looks good. That's one of our yard, our, just a quick yard one. Yeah. We, we had I, a, I, I, the only reason why I have my sign behind me is to hide my fax machine so you guys don't think I'm old. Do you use a fax? No. It oh. literally holds up my sign. That's you all for. You just won't get rid of it. No, you know what's funny? I uh my dad years ago used to come over and say, Hey, I have to fax in this document to the bank. Because a lot of financial institutions would only work with fax. And and then uh it, he was the only guy using it. So I'm like, you can have it. He yeah. and even my dad's like, nah, I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I think our fax is on our copy machine. I don't know. I, I think we've had to use it before for something. Yeah. So. All right, let's get into our next segment. Social media reacts, and then uh, it is brought to you by Andy Prasky, preferred home team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> Holy Santa Claus shit. Can you imagine if we had these when we were 12? Even better. We got them when we're 40. That is cool. I'd like that thing. Well, is, you know, is, is your mischievous child mind kicks in? You're like, what else could I throw in there? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You have kids that'll be that'll be filled up. Pretty oh, yeah. Toothbrush, towels. That's the 2022 clothes shoot. I think That's I would really be. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't think I, that would be in an open room, though. I'll tell you that. That'd be cool for a garbage can. Splatter oh, all over the yeah. wall and then suck it down. And then when you miss and the ketchup splats on the wall oh, and. Yeah. And then they there's like a windshield wiper thing that comes through and oh. takes care of it. So. Oh, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> Only do they have the rent due sign stickers out, but they tell you which unit ain't paid. Yo. Yo, they blocking me out of pocket. That is awesome. Public humiliation, the best oh, sorts of motivation. Oh my God, that's awesome. These guys haven't paid yet. That is fantastic. What if you just put up like a scarlet letter A on there, you know, to pay or, you know, your, your payments due? That is a, I'll tell you, that's that's a big thing with rentals. I mean, and people don't think that, oh, they can handle it. We don't have to pay. Well, think about that apartment building. I saw a lot of circles there that hadn't paid. I mean, you get 20 of those, that's going to affect everyone else in that complex. Things aren't going to get done, you know? And so it's that little peer pressure. I kind of like that. I wish I would have thought of well, that. I think, I think that's kind of a direct result of why a lot of rents have been skyrocketing recently is because of the last couple of years of COVID, you know, deferral. 
and you don't have to pay a rent if you don't want to kind of stuff. And it, it, uh, yeah, they're making up for it. Son, you know, once you start, there's no going back. I know. This means total commitment. Once you begin the path, there is no leaving the path. Are you sure you're ready for that? I mean, really ready? Oh, my God. Oh, God, that's awesome. That is fantastic. It's did, funny. Did you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle, by the way? No. If if you haven't, I, I highly recommend if you're a, you know, uh, I don't know, 40 to 60-year-old person, go watch that show because it'll you'll laugh. The way the kids are raised in that house and yeah. how the mom takes them out in the yard to cut their hair. And, oh, my God, it's just it's the funniest show ever. And it I don't know how I didn't make it, you know? But I tell you, uh, the con the content of that though is is really funny because that did not happen to me. I mean, I looked at my kids and I keep telling them, you know what, think of something else. You can do something else and do so something. I never, I've never ever pushed them into real estate. And yeah. my mom and dad really pushed me into real estate. Uh, how about yours? Did they kind of say, hey? Uh, I know my. I I think it was my my dad and uh, my mom was always kind of. We had three boys, so she was had her hands full getting us to all the sporting events and whatever else. And so my dad had a cabinet um, supply company and um, you know, used to do, had a retail show floor years ago and whatever. And then I think he just got kind of burnt out on that. And we were talking about that. And I, he and I, when we were calling one of the builders um, years ago, the guy goes, you know, who you want? He goes, you don't want to be the builder. You don't want to be the, the roofer. You don't want to be the cabinet supply guy. Like you guys are. He goes, everybody on this house is making minimal margins with high risk except the realtor. And he goes, the realtor down the street, he's making a full 6% sitting there in the model, driving his new Cadillac. But, you know, and it was kind of funny how his perspective of it was. And I looked at my dad and I go, we literally would have just the risk of being successful based on our merit, not based on, are you going to get paid or does that builder close and pay you on time or whatever? And so, yeah, I was kind of involved when my parents got decided to get into the business and, uh, it, and actually my dad sold me my first house when I was 21 yeah. and then I'm like, this was cool. So then I eventually got into it as well. Hey, Nick, has your father had a talk with you about real estate? Let's see if he appears again. Oh, there he is. Yeah. He told me not to do it or not to get my license at least. Yeah. Well, I think if you're going to be, you know, buying houses and, and buying them for investments, you don't need to become a realtor. You really don't. And you shouldn't because there's way too many restrictions that we have going after homes like that and everyone thinks oh you got to be a realtor to be able to do it and it's like we can't go into a, a person and say hey you know what i'll pay you this for it yeah it's worth it this is what it is can't do that you know what here's what i want to pay for it your house is worth more it's probably worth 350 i only want to buy it for 260 because i want to just put a little into it and i want to make a ton of money and i don't want you to make a penny you can't you can't do that and so right. it's if you want to be an investor, a real investor, just find a, a real estate partner that uh, will work with you on multiple deals, maybe give you a little break. And then um, you, you're, you're in a lot better position to be able to negotiate. To start wholesaling real estate all over again with only $500, this is how I would do it. I'd start off with batch leads. They're offering 5,000 free property records. I'd probably go with either vacant or absentee owners. These are my favorite lists. I then need to skip trace it to get the phone numbers. I'm going to go with the cheapest way, Fiverr. It costs about three cents, so it's going to cost me $150 for all 5,000 leads. Next up, I need to hire a virtual assistant to make the calls for me. I'm going to go on Upwork. It's going to cost me about $4 an hour. I'm going to keep them at part-time, so about 20 hours a week. So in two weeks, they should be able to finish all 5,000 leads. So that's about 40 hours in two weeks. Multiply it by $4 an hour, $160. Next up, I need to get a dialer. I can't trust them to make the calls themselves. I'm going to use Mojo Dialer and get the triple line dialer because it calls three people at once. I'm then going to add the recording feature so I can listen in on the calls. So all in, I'm about $560. have an extra $40. I'm going to use it for gas money to go driving for dollars. And for those leads, I'm going to skip trace them on truepeoplesearch.com for absolutely free and call them myself. I uh, was making some notes. I need to re-see that a couple times. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's interesting. But I'll I tell you, rather than sitting around waiting for clients to come to you, there's a great way in which to do it. I mean, 
even if you flood an area, I, I'll tell you, I was always the kind of person, the agent that I didn't want to be that person. I just didn't want to be that person. And, and what it really was is I didn't want to be that person in the area that I'm selling. But I could certainly be that person up in Champlin. I don't sell up there. They don't know me from Adam. And there's ways. I mean, it's proven that that stuff works. That gets people. You know, it does. I had, I had a real estate agent that actually she uh, now uh, works out of Iowa. And they love to work remotely. And so they were still doing exactly what this lady was talking about on, on generating just opportunities. And I think what they do is they still have a couple agents up here in the cities that they run the opportunities they want to keep. But then they also will call guys like us and say, hey, would you be interested in a, you know, a $400,000 listing in St. Michael? I've got a line, uh, buyer lined up and we want a referral fee for that. Or they'll feed that to an investor and the investor like, hey, we got somebody that'll sell for four hundred. dollars are you interested? And then, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, uh, I I've been, you're seeing a little bit more of this. That's the whole guaranteed offer program. That's the whole, you know, like people behind the scenes, like who's actually buying all these houses. That's who's buying all these houses. So a lot of that are, are they're all tied together kind of. And it's a, it's another way in which to maybe leverage your real estate career. Cause we don't yeah. really have a, a retirement option. I mean, we really don't. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, some claim that they do, uh, you know, making money off the other agents, which is fantastic. Um, but we don't really have that. And it's a way in which to maybe, you know, we can move to another state and kind of still keep doing it or, or getting some money somehow, some way. So, yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, I would, I would look at that one again, if I was a kind of a beginning agent and uh, see what that lady said, because all those little apps, they're basically doing all the work for for her to get it down to, you know, maybe all of those names. Maybe she's getting down to 15 good phone calls. She already heard the recording. She's following up with them. I mean, it, rather than wasting all your time. I mean, doing what she was talking about in the early days would have taken me like six months to do, to be able to get down to that. She's talking within two weeks, she'll have, you know, 15 bonafide people in which to be able to talk to. Well, and you know, the other thing, Chris, it's crazy is like, we were like, oh, who will work for $4 an hour making cold calls? A lot of like people. The companies probably making $3 of the $4 and giving that worker a dollar an hour. And I mean, overseas, it's it's a whole different world. And they they train people to, to sound like they have a Southern accent or whatever, you know, hey, this is Billy calling on behalf of uh, Chris Rooney. We'd like to give you a market analysis on your house. And here it's, it's, you know, some guy over in Shanghai or wherever the hell it is, India or whatever. And, uh, they, they, hey, it works, man. Somebody, somebody's got to reach out to people and touch. That, that's the, the thing is, will they answer? Do they talk to you? Hey, can you do that? Can you do that redneck voice with a little hint of Indian in it, please? I would like to. Y'all talk to y'all. <laughs> I don't know. That's horrible. Choose your Oh my God! Where's he find these things? That was that funny. Is awesome. That is awesome. The, the just, first one I was reading, I was like, "This is dumb. Are they serious?" Yeah. And he's like doing the rocking. And also the next one, it says, "Weird old man strength." <laughs> Total doubt. They just rip it on themselves, but it's 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 funny. That's what kind of Nick? Could you find out like how many views are on something like that? Oh, it's got to be huge. Know that or not? I think I was like. Just like a thousand likes, so probably fifty thousand views. Yeah, gosh, I would think that would be that would be something I would kind of share. <laughs> That's funny. Remember, remember, uh, Mike O'Connell. Um, I should say, remember, he's still alive and very well and thriving. He's still good. Right, up in, uh, yeah. Do you remember? Oh, he was a great. No, he's alive. They used to have a series where they did meet the meet the agents, and but they did it on a serious note. They would do these cool little like video stories, like. Showing, you know, somebody skiing or somebody, you know, hiking in the woods and kind of the, so you could connect with your real estate agent that you thought would be like you that you'd like to work with. So especially when somebody's coming from the cities up to like Cross Lake or wherever they were at the time um, working. And then, you know, anyway, I I always thought they had a neat program. Yeah. 
Do you remember that? That one. Old dad coming to save the day. Oh, my god! It said to nuke the deal. Basically yeah. blow it up. Totally. <laughs> I mean, that's always I – mean, obviously, a dad is going to try to protect their kids. And I always loved it during this last market. You know, if you had the opportunity to be able to get an inspection, and then the dad's like, oh, my gosh, you can't do this. I said, it's great. You can ask for whatever you want. We'll just have to go and start looking again. So you kind of got to – it is what it is. Yeah. We, we used to have where the, uh, I call it dad proofing the house. And especially if it was going to be a first time home buyer sale and we'd pay to have people come out and do the soft power wash of the roof, clean all the, you know, the mineral lines off so that the roof looks nice. It's roof windows and furnaces that dad's always like really, or in water heater that they always, so I go dust everything off, make the water heater look like it's brand new visually. So they walk right by it. So they don't even, and I go, make sure the, the air filter on the furnace is brand new. It's dusted again. Everything looks clean and operable. Put the manual right next to it. So it looks like you really care about it, you know, and, and it's funny, but it's true. Cause I mean, man, there are a lot of houses that sell where it's kind of like trading in that car when, when it's not clean and it's just like, well, if they didn't take care of the car enough to turn it in, you know, and it, think about that for a second. You want to have that house mechanically looking as good as it does cosmetically. And, and that's, you know, cause that's where the costs come. And, and yeah, you're 100% correct. And the other thing is, is the mechanical room is scary for a lot of people because a lot of people don't even know what that stuff does. And if it's clean, it obviously must be in good shape and we'll just kind of let it keep going. And so whatever like, it is, it's well maintained. Yeah, but it's so important. We all, I'm always, I'm fanatical about that. You know, that you have to, because what happens in those mechanical rooms? What really does? There's dust all over you, them. You told There's me you to, to make the room less scary. Right. Get the cobwebs out of there, dust it off, paint it up. I mean, and that's so true. I, I can't tell you how many times I've repeated that phrase. Let's make this room less scary. And here's the other thing. People understand exactly what you're talking about when you say it. A light bulb, a hundred watt light bulb, rather than going in there, like you're going to get attacked from some sea monster that's coming out of your water heater. You got to go in there and all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's bright and light and it's not a scary place to be. So you have to play on that. That's just like storage areas. Yep. You, you can't have them filled out when they open the door, stuff falls on you. You can't do yeah. that. But you want to have stuff in there so they can imagine their stuff that's in there. Mm -hmm. So I just don't see it all the time. So, oh boy, we got questions. Nice. All right. Want to sell a property, preferably sooner mm -hmm. than later. Would also like to list and sell as is for a variety of reasons versus dumping into the money into the house for potentially no return. Agent has encouraged an off-market sale to buyer from her pool of investors. Pool end up her pool ended up being one person. Pressuring me now to take the one and only offer instead of listing it on the MLS. Is this just a case of her wanting a quick sale for a little legwork instead of marketing the house, listing it, doing showings, etc.? Maybe. Maybe. Very could be, but I always tell people because that I mean. Pre-marketing is, is a big thing that creates excitement too. No one else knows about it. That might push someone in which to do it uh, and, and purchase it. Typically when this goes pre-listing, people usually push the price a little higher than that, what they're going to be. And um, so it sometimes works, but I always tell people, I say, okay, so I can, we can go look at my buyers, which might be in this at this house. I might have three different people that I know. I'll send it out to all my people. I'll look really good to them and everything. But gosh, if we put on the MLS, what happens if we get out to 10,000 people? 10,000 people are looking at it. Do you want Do you want five? Do you want 10,000? I mean, you know. I'll give you a perfect example of that. We had a, a client trying to do for sale by owner a couple months back, and they had their house listed at a higher uh, or a, a lower price by $20,000 lower than where we listed it. And they sat for a month and they had people coming out there and lowballing them on price and everything. Now we listed it, sold it in one day, got $30,000 over, um, you know, so it, it, when you go to the bigger pool, the reason what it really does, like Chris is saying, is that there's maybe somebody that's a little more motivated than somebody else, or especially when somebody sits there and says, Ooh, Hey, look at this one. Nobody else knows about it. Let's go in there. 
sneak in there and get the deal, right? And 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 steal it. And so I think that whenever a real estate agent says to me, we should go to our buyer pool, um, I'd ask some pretty good questions like, so then are you working at a reduced rate? I mean, are you going to do this for 3% or 1% instead of six or seven or whatever you charge, you know? And then number one, number and then number two, are you going to also get the backup listing when they sell the house in the future? You know, because I mean, there's a lot of things that are being done there. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I would just ask those questions so you have a crystal clear picture of what that agent's motivations are. So they'll list it with them and get double paid on it. Fair enough. Then I, I would ask for a deal. Well, I think I mean? too, yeah. I think if you're in a position like that as well, I mean, it's, it's a pretty easy thing in which to be able to try to figure out is to go get another agent or two to come in and tell you what they think. Yeah. And then figure out what is the way to do it. <laughs> I, I would too. I, Chris, that's a good idea. So I would, if I was that um, question asker, asker, <laughs> um, I would definitely get two more opinions from two other real estate agents, not giving them any insights as to what you've already heard to really get a fair perspective. And if everybody comes back with the same conclusion, the conclusion's probably more accurate, um, you know, than just opinionated. I can't believe you'd tell your client to do that, Andy, online like this. I No, I didn't say go online. I said <laughs> get two other opinions. I'm acting like that's your client that asked the question. Oh. I'm joking. Yeah, that's that's supposed to be a funny joke. You are very funny. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Is it possible to put nothing down to buy your first home? Absolutely. Yes. Spence, how about what? There's there's two very simple ways in which to do it. You're first, Andy. You know uh, well, there, there's two that I'm aware of. Um, if you go out a little farther on the outer skirts of out area, there's the USDA has a zero down loan. It comes and goes, though, based on funding. And then what's the second one, Chris? Spend some time in the military. Yeah. And you can be in with zero down. Zero down. The veterans get zero down. And uh, I was just talking to uh, one of my Buffalo Wild Wings waiters who now has got a new job. He's going to make 80000 starting off. Good for him. Jeez. And uh, probably, a, probably a pay reduction from being a waiter. I mean, which is crazy, but it probably is. Yeah the way they get tipped. But anyways, um, and he was talking about, uh, he, he is military and he's 30% disabled. So there's a lot of little fun little things that you get, um, even bonuses ahead of that. One of them is reduction in property taxes. Yep. And so it's, uh, you gotta, if you're a veteran um, and you have disability, you wanna check in that VA loan. And it used to be a, a scary loan for sellers to agree to. Just because there's a lot of red tape and you had to get through it. And now it's fantastic. We never have problems with VA loans, with appraisals, with nothing. So yep, no issues. But the other thing is, is you know, there might be opportunities to be able to purchase on contract for deeds. And sometimes zero down might work for some people. Uh, just it, you might have to kind of not any of my people, but maybe yeah, yours, I mean, I it, but let's just say that you are in a home that maybe is a little upside down and you just need those payments made that you might say, you know what, I'll let you come in and just take over the payments. And, you know, and if people are making the payments, there's some, there's some skin in the game that way, you know, it's, and it's saving your, your rates. So it just, or saving your credit. So I, well, you know, I think a lot of consumers, Chris though, too, don't, you know, necessarily understand how that plays out. So, when you're, and, and I apologize for those that do, you're becoming the bank, right? So you're letting them come in and are they going to put a deposit down so you can move on with life and buy your next thing? Um, do you have a real estate agent involved that has to be paid at the closing? Not at the end when they refinance and cash you out. They have to be paid on the front end. So the deposit that's made, so let's say you're selling a $300,000 house and you have a 6% commission. So there's $18,000 that it's paid out to the real estate agents. Um, that comes out of the proceeds of the deposit on the front end, unless you can pay them in cash. So, you know, that that's something to also consider. So just beware. I mean, it's it's one of those real expenses that are out there. But on the other hand, it's a great way for people that have had, you know, let, let's say they had a, a great, they have a great business and something happened and or divorce or whatever. And all of a sudden they're temporarily down on a knee and you believe in them and you want to give them a break. This is a great way to do it. Yeah, totally. I had, I don't know if we're going on to something else, but I had another thing that came this week twice and it was the same person 
um, hit me from two different ways. So one was on a, a current listing of mine. Another one was on one that we ended up taking off the market. They didn't get the house they wanted. And on both of them, they were, um, the, the theory was, it was from the same person. who didn't even know that they were doing it. But hey, Chris, I saw your listing. My buyer's a lot closer to, I'll just use different numbers. Say it's uh, 775, you know, but my buyer's close to 700. Would your seller look at that? And I'm like, no, we just reduced. We're, we're probably pretty good. Then all of a sudden, I get one on my other one. Hey, I saw you had this listing that went off. Do you think your seller would go 600? And all they're doing is they're not seeing it. I said, well, why don't you, uh, we'll set up a showing and uh, and get you in there because they are willing and they're thinking about going back on the market. But I'm not, we're not, you haven't even seen it, you know? And so that they're using that and they're just, all they're doing is keep calling people to see if there's any play in the price and they, they might bring their buyer out or they have an investor to be able to try to just trying to get something for a good deal. So. Well, there used to be that group that had to, they had to buy houses at 5% under appraised value. I mean, there's been all kinds of investor companies that are out there that do, you know, unique or unusual things. Yeah. They're only looking in certain school districts and they have to have three bedrooms and two baths minimum, you yeah, know, just have to have yeah. I had to mute myself so I wouldn't talk. And so Nick can tell me what Nick. else I have to do. All right, we're going to do a little uh, rapid uh, fire here. So I'm going to throw up some words and you go back and forth and um, just say a little quick snippet about it and something interesting to make you guys sound smart. So, Oh, that's that'll be great. <laughs> here we go. Uh, points. Hey, that's coming into play again. That's the, a, a percentage of your mortgage amount that you pay to be able to reduce your interest rate. That's exactly what that one, that 2.99, 3.99 to 4.99 is to be able to buy down to that. And, and in this case, the sellers pay it for that. And he says, yes. Oh, I'm, do you want me to rapid fire? But I agree with you. It, no. It's up front. Encumbrance. No, Andy goes. Encumbrance. That is where uh, I believe, um, isn't that where there's a clout on the title? Or Yeah, anything that's on the title, yep. Yeah, something that's on the title, like maybe you missed a truck payment and they leaned it against your house or, you know, you, you got a judgment against you or whatever. I think that that is, if I'm not mistaken. Or even a mortgage. Anything, yeah. yeah. Anything, anything that's against it, yep. I, I was thinking when I was reading it, I don't know why, I thought I was at the St. Paul Saints game the other night and uh, they had this cucumber dish. And that's what I saw. I looked at it, I was like, oh, cucumber. Okay. Uh, lock-in period. You want to do that, Andrew, or you want me to? Uh, the the lock-in period is when you're you're capable of locking on a loan. So, like, if it's a 30-day lock-in period, you know that they have to to lock it or whatever, and they they may float in that window of time deciding when the best rate day by day is. Um, so that's a lock-in period which you have a certain amount of time to lock in on your loan as requirement of the agreement you both came to in the purchase. Okay. Quick claim deed. That's when you basically give your interest in the property over to another person. And that's all you do. You're not guaranteeing anything like the mortgages are paid off, any liens against it. You're just giving your interest to someone else. A lot of times what happens is that people quit claim from their name into maybe their corporation name and or into a trust. They'll just quit claim it over where they already know what's on it. So they give it to themselves, but just in a different name. I also had uh, years ago, this was a couple years back, but I had an individual that was in a uh, romantic relationship with someone where the one person got the mortgage and the other one made a contribution. And there was a little bit of a, well, whatever, what happens if we ever break up or whatever? And he quit claim deeded the property um, to her um, and just said, well, there you go. Do you trust me now? Well, guess what? They did break up and guess what it cost him? Oh, More than what she deposited. Because she was basically acting like it was her house. Careful, gentlemen and ladies. Okay. Is, is that me or are you? Seller carryback. I can do it. Uh, seller carryback is fun phrase. I think you'll see some of this again in the future. 
if the lenders allow it. A carryback is when, like, let's say they get a first mortgage and you carry back a second for them so they can avoid mortgage insurance. And let's say, you know, $400,000 house, you hold back $100,000. They have a bank, you know, do $300,000. And then you uh, have a, a carryback, if you will, or you, you still have money that's owed to you after closing. I think I think the key on that, Andy, is what you said was a bank because that's typically a mortgage company won't allow that, but a bank tip will work around that. I actually have a property I, I purchased that I'm doing that exact thing. The seller is holding back um, or carrying back a mortgage against it uh, for me, so I only had to finance a certain amount of it. That used to be our buddy Carlton Sheets' way of getting money, uh, zero money down, but it also was a way that they were legally at that time committing basically mortgage fraud where they would have the sellers giving them and forgiving the 20% down. They'd overinflate the price of the house and there was all kinds of scammy stuff. Going Carlton on. never lied. Don't say that. That was my guy. I loved him. That's why I got into real estate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I thought real estate was the greatest thing in the world. I was going to have Corvettes and Porsches and everything. Do it the Carlton. Sheets you guy. do. What are you talking about? Chain of title. That's just basically who has uh, owned it, I guess. Um, it's the chain of title that in title companies have to go back and make sure that all those people are taken care of. I think, what, 40 years? Is it 40 yeah. years that they have to do? So they have to go back yeah. on the chain of title 40 years to be able to make sure that uh, there's no liens or encumbrances against the property. There you go. Jumbo loan is a big loan um, where you're bigger than the normal conforming loans. And I don't know the exact amount that is, but what is it, Chris? Like 565 or something like that? You know what? They, it keeps changing. And I'm going to, I'm yeah. actually uh, pulling it up right now, trying to find 647,200. So, how much? 647,200 now. There you go. Okay. So you can have that as the borrowed amount of money. And what was, what was interesting was a couple of years ago, you know, before COVID, actually jumbo loans had better interest rates than conforming loans did, um, or the regular, you know, uh, loans. And, and they do that right now, big time. It yeah, jumbo's better. It is okay. Yeah, so that they there's a different risk threshold there. There's higher income earners. So on paper, usually that individual, you know, you you get the old uh, the statistician out there running the stats on it, and they're going to have um a a better shot at uh repayment so they, they get better rates on it yeah and it's not it's not governed by the government i mean it's not freddie and fanny on a on a jumbo it's it's an actuary wouldn't an actuary calculate that for them Ooh, that's a fancy word i don't know i guarantee you there's some some of my customers are actuaries i, I just don't remember what they do i know i have a friend that's a, an actuary too and i always think it sounds so cool i said he's got a bigger calculator than me Whoa. Oh, boy. When someone asks you how close are you to giving up on your real Is that Jeff Sweeple's head? In the first year. Jeff <laughs> nice guy. Jeez. Um, we love Jeff. We got to get Jeff back on here. We haven't talked to Jeff in, God, a year. Yeah. Andy, we had, um, you know, it's licensing time now. So oh. actually, today's the last day. You got to be licensed to have everything again. We, I think we lost uh, three three agents that said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I, maybe four that aren't going to continue on with real estate. And uh, yeah, it's a big, it's it's a I big thing. I think you're going to see that, Chris. I also think over the next year we're going to see a lot of people joining teams because they yeah. just can't figure out this new market, you know? Yeah. But it's ex it's expensive to be a realtor. It really is. You have to pay money. It's not, you. if you don't sell, you lose money. People don't know that. And you got to buy health insurance and you got to do everything else. So Wonderful. Hey, another great episode. Make sure to give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, you can review us on Facebook too. Um, we're posting on YouTube and Facebook, three digestible clips each week. Give those a like. We appreciate it. Send us in any questions and we'll see you next week.
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.